Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind the top nonprofit galas and signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I'm really excited to have a couple of very special guests on. We have Cheryl Byington and Julie Kinstall. They are representatives of Houston SPCA's upcoming Halloween Ball 2023. Cheryl is the co-chair and Julie is the VP of marketing for Houston SPCA. And we're going to talk about how fun Halloween ball is and really how they so successfully tie in an event to a holiday because Halloween is during Halloween. So that's one of the reasons why we're airing this at this time of year so that you get inspired, regardless of what the holiday is, of some great ideas from people who really do this type of event really, really well on a really high level. So with that, Cheryl, Julie, welcome. And we're so excited to have both of you on today. Thank you. Thanks so much. So, you know, I want to dive in and um, Julie, this first question is going to be for you. Can you talk a little bit about what the mission of the Houston SPCA is? Sure. Um, we're really passionate ab about our mission and it's, it's that the Houston SPCA is to improve and protect the lives of animals in our community and to alleviate their suffering and abuse. And that is something that we've stood by for nearly 100 years. A hundred years. So you all have really been around a really long time. So Houston, you know, people think of Houston as this giant mega metropolis, but mm -hmm. you know, a hundred years ago, Houston was, I mean, it was a city, but it was kind of a, a medium sized city. So it's amazing that you all have been able to successfully navigate and do that pivot from a medium sized city to a large city. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Yes, it, it all it all began with the rescue of horses. And so that was a really a difficult time because your horse was very important. It was your transportation. It, it's, it helped you plow your field. It fed your family in terms of, you know, being able to cultivate the land. And so, um, you know, there was um, abuse and neglect, even, you know, back then. And, and there was definitely a passionate group of people who decided to come together and, and start making a difference. And so, um, it's, it's exciting, um, that we started from such humble beginnings that to where we, where we are today. You know, I think that's great. And I'm really glad that you brought up the initial mission, which was really for the care of horses. And, you know, in doing the research for this episode, I was really, um, pleasantly surprised to see that, you know, when I think of animal organizations, I automatically default to dogs and cats, but Houston SPCA does multiple types of animals. And in fact, you all still, horses is a part, big part of what, um, what you all do. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, especially when we get into the event. Talk about some of the other animals and additions to dogs and cats you all take in as part of your mission. Yes, so we are actually, um, you know, we call, we call ourselves the William and Evelyn Griffin Campus for All Animals. So you, you have your companion animals, like you mentioned, your dogs, your cats, your kittens, your puppies. Uh, we have um, equine and farm animals, so sheep, goats, pigs, um, majority of them come from um, animal cruelty investigations. And then we also have a wildlife center that, that cares for and rehabilitates um, over 12,000 wild animals. And um, we even do exotics, um, you know, tigers, bears, um, spider monkeys, um, you name it. So we are truly a campus for all animals. That is, I mean, that really is really the full spectrum of animals. That's really cool that you are able to 
you know, care for that many different types of animals. I just think that's really awesome. And so now let's talk a little bit next about how each of you initially got involved with the Houston SPCA. And Cheryl, I think we, I want to start with you on this. You know, as a co-chair, you know, tell us a little bit about how you initially became involved with this organization. Okay. So first of all, I love animals. And so um, secondly, I was asked to co-chair last year's 2022 Halloween Gala with Zane Carruth. So I came to visit the campus and I was so impressed with the care, the love, the nurturing that the staff did with all the animals that are here. I mean, I was hooked. From day one, I was absolutely hooked. And talking about the campus, just to reiterate what's being said, I had no idea. I thought it was just dogs and cats. But I was amazed when I went through the campus, there actually was, besides dogs and cats, there were rabbits. There was peacock now, I heard. There was horses. I had no idea. So it was kind of like, all God's creatures were being cared for here, rescued and helping them in their recovery. So definitely hooked. Absolutely. And, you know, we were talking about this in the green room for anyone who is interested in animals, watch all God's creatures on, on, on PBS. Cause we were talking about that. It's set in England in the thirties. And that's the only aside we're going to do in this episode, but you know, Cheryl, you brought it up. So I figured it would be a great time to bring that up as well. So, um, so Julie, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Houston SPCA and why you chose it as an organization, you know, that you wanted to, you know, be a part of on a day in and day out basis. So, yeah, so my, my degree is in communications and I worked for a couple of for-profit companies like Six Flags and, um, uh, I, I came across and I grew up with animals, um, dogs and rabbits. So I've always been passionate and had a, a, a love for, for animals. And, um, I saw that a position was open at the Houston SPCA and I knew they had been around for a long time and that they did good work, but I didn't know anything more than that. And, you know, I, um, as I interviewed and, you know, toured the campus before our new campus was here, um, I met so many passionate people and I, I just, um, from there, I thought my, my brain just exploded. I was like, I have so many ideas. I have so many, so much, um, um, just a desire to share all the information about all the good work that they're doing. And, um, I've been here for about six years now and, um, feel really blessed that I get to work with so many passionate people like our veterinarians, our animal cruelty investigators, those who work tirelessly um, uh, rescuing animals off our 24-hour ambulance, um, those who work daily in our adoption center. It's just, I feel like it's such a privilege to be able to share the stories um, and, and information for programs and services on a daily basis. That's amazing. And what really, you know, when you each of you talked about, you know, and you actually teed this up, Julie, you each talked about, you know, and talked with a certain level of passion. So Cheryl, I'd like to start with you. What makes, you know, what makes you so passionate about the Houston SPCA? Because I know that you have supported quite a few causes over the years. You know, what made you say yes and make you feel so passionate about this organization? It's their advocacy to all animals. And I owned a rescue dog. I adopted a rescue dog. And just to see the care that's given to these animals before we're able to rescue them is just amazing. And so it's the dedication and unwavering, impactful work this organization actually does. So I want to brag a little bit about the awards that this organization gets. 
So the Houston Chronicle voted them best of the best of nonprofits. Now that is a huge, huge accomplishment. And not only did they get it this year, they've gotten it in years past. Additionally, what's happened is they've also received the Better Business Bureau Award. This is the Pinnacle Award, which is the highest award you can get a not-for-profit. They have won this numerous times. So this is their dedication is just speaks volumes when they get these type of awards, when you look at all the other organizations out there. So how can you not get passionate about the work that they do? Absolutely. And, you know, you brought up something really important, Cheryl, with um, with the rescue process, because it's not like the, you know, a pet comes in and six hours later it winds up in your home. There is, you know, there there's quite a bit of work that the organization has to do with the animal to make sure that it's it's in a condition that it can go and be, you know, go and be in a home, you know, for rescue purposes until they find their forever home. Julie, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, one, what makes you passionate about the organization, but also talk a little bit more about, you know, what the intake process is for animals. Yes. Yeah, so the, really, you know, the, I always say the face of the Houston SBCA, it's the animal's who, who come into our care. That's, that's who the Houston SPCA is. And, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to be able to work with so many people who um, I, you know, they have amazing skills. Uh, we have, you know, seven veterinarians on staff, 10 animal cruelty investigators, um, a team of five who, who, who run our ambulance and they're actually veterinary techs. So they can do on-site care immediately. Um, our animal care staff on a daily basis that, you know, wakes up every morning and heads straight into the adoption center to prepare things so people can adopt in a friendly, happy atmosphere. Um, that's the things that make me really passionate about the, the Houston SBCA. But you, you did mention about um, animals come to us in so many different ways. And I know I mentioned the animals in the off the ambulance and cruelty investigations and things like that. Um, it's it's interesting to see. Um, I've kind of counted. Um, not this is not a scientific research or anything, but I've counted. You know, an animal can come in and be touched by about anywhere between eight and ten different sets of hands because an animal comes in, um, you know, cared for by a veterinarian, um, and investigated becomes evidence because um, they were part of an animal cruelty investigation. They may need dental work. They may need to go into foster because of their injury, or they may um, just may not be mature enough because they're still too small. They need to grow. Um, from there, they may um, from foster they may have to go into um, you know uh, into the adoption program. But then a marketing person or social media comes along and tells their story, and then um, finally you know a, a, an animal gets adopted. And so the average cost of um, an animal coming in is a, around five hundred dollars. It could be more if they need specialized surgery. And so um, yeah, there's a, each animal that comes in. Um, you know, it is their worst day and it's also their very best day because, um, you know, this, this is the place where we're, we're passionate about animals and, and we want to alleviate their suffering. And at the same time, we want to improve and protect their lives. And so, um, that circles back to, to why, you know, we're, we're so passionate about this organization. You know, and Julie, I'm really glad you brought up, you know, the costs behind that and that, you know, that I think that's an excellent segue, you know, that it costs $500 per animal. It's not as simple as, 
you know, like, like I had said earlier to Cheryl, picking up a cat, taking it to the SPCA and five hours later, it's got a foster home. It's not, it's not that simple and it's not that easy. And there, you know, there's a process and, you know, obviously raising funds is an extremely important thing that allows you, you know, the Houston SPCA to do and continue its mission. So I think this is an excellent point to where we maybe start to pivot and talk a little bit about the upcoming Halloween ball. And I will, Try not to say Halloween again. Halloween, like howl at the moon. So, um, <laughs> so you know, Cheryl, you know, I know you've been involved in a lot of things um, over the years. So, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, because you've come back. So, you, you know, you can speak to this from being devoted from a following perspective. But what is one thing that a person or an organization can do to create a devoted following for its annual gala or a signature fundraiser? Be involved, get involved, do something, okay? I always say whether it's donation of money, whether it's donation of shelter items, volunteering, adopting a pet, just do something. We are so blessed and to live in this community to have things that we have. So I feel like we need to give back. So I always say, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? Okay, we all need to be able to give back. And it's such a fulfilling experience when we're able to help these animals who can't help themselves. They cannot self-help. And so that makes me feel really good. When I adopted uh, my pet, he was a 94-pound black lab. I always say he rescued me. You know, I didn't rescue him. He rescued me. And what more can you say than something like that? They give us so much back. They do. So I just say get involved and do something. You know, and that's really important. And I'm really glad that you brought up the aspect of you can volunteer because it's you can get involved because there's really two ways you can get involved in an organization. And we've talked about them on this show before. One is financial capital and obviously, you know, writing a check. But two, um, obviously, volunteering is a form of human capital. And really, any successful nonprofit has both of those elements, you know, both of those elements in there. And Julie, you know, I'd love for you to kind of elaborate a little bit on it from an organizational perspective of, you know, you know, making sure that you're retaining and bringing in new voices that do come back, like Cheryl, who co-chaired last year and is co-chairing again. You know, how does an organization successfully do that and successfully tap into the community so that you continually have a great fundraising event that hundreds, if not thousands, look forward to attending every year. Sure. You know, we cannot do um, the life-saving work that we do without volunteers like Cheryl, like volunteers who quietly come in, they walk dogs, and then they go on with the rest of their day, or they um, support us by um, helping us with outreach tables in the community or they help with photography, or we try to find um, someone who's come to us, what their passion is. They all love animals, but what is it that you that you like to do? Do you like to take pictures? Do you like to help fundraise? Do you like to help co-chair a ball? You know, what is it that um, helps you drive your passion and makes you feel like you're accomplishing something for animals? Because we all have our different love, animal. I call them animal love languages, right? And so we, we know how important our, our volunteers are because we really cannot do the work we do without them. Well, I love that you you talk about this, that, you know, 
it sounds like as an organization, when a volunteer comes in, you really listen to the volunteer and what interests them. And then you try to find a place for them. Because I know sometimes, you know, nonprofits can feel overworked and overtaxed. And when they see a body come in or see a volunteer come in, they just want to put them where the most need is. But that that could make a person burn out. It could make a person not enjoy the nonprofit. So I really like that you really pay attention and listen to the volunteers that come in so that you can make sure that they keep coming back and volunteering month after month and year after year. Oh, yeah, sure. And you you talked about burnout. You I mean, everybody can get burnout and we don't want that to happen. And so that's why sometimes people will ask us, well, can I just stop by real quick and volunteer? We actually have a volunteer program. You know, there's a two hour training. And, um, you know, we, we find out what their, what their passion is, small dogs, large dogs, wildlife, or, or what have you. And then it's a program. We have volunteers here who have been here serving for the last 30 years and they meet together and they go to lunch afterwards. It's a, it's a, we call it our, and we also have a, like a, what we call a foster family. So if you just want to do fostering too, that's okay. Um, but yeah, we make it into a program because we want to invest time in you so that you can invest time in the animals that are in our care. Well, and I love that you brought up, you know, that people can become friends with one another and, you know, like go out to lunch or go out for a drink after you, you finish volunteering. And it, you know, it's, if there is one thing anyone, because Texans are really mobile people, and there are so many people that grew up in one Texas city, go to college in a second, find their spouse in a third, and move to a fourth. The easiest way to get involved is, you know, the easiest way to make friends in a new community is to get involved. And, you know, volunteering and having people who have a similar passion to your own, you've already got something in common with somebody when you're in the room because you both care about animals and you can start on that and wonderful relationships and friendships can, you know, can come about with that. And speaking of fun, the next question I actually have is for Cheryl. And that is one thing that is I like about Halloween is the Halloween ball is that it celebrates Halloween and the guests will often show up and dress in costume. How do you think that makes the evening more special and more fun for the guests? Well, like we said earlier, it is Halloween, so we have to get into the mindset. And I think when you dress in a costume, it just kind of, you know, puts you in a different mental state versus the day-to-day -day work grind that we go through, and it kind of makes you a little bit more fun-loving. So, for example, um, I'm going to wear an angel costume. Now, I know that's kind of far-fetched, but, <laughs> but also I'm going to have a little bit of a devil costume, too, to bring out the devil side. So I'm going play both sides of it so it gives me an opportunity to be something I'm not okay well I can be a little bit of an angel but anyway <laughs> um, you know, it puts the fun out uh, to do it and I think people just get more engaged that way because they're just having a good time and they're doing it for such a good cause well and yeah I love that how creative you are with the costume and the fact that each year you the, the dress code is basically whatever you want it to be Correct. And you get to wear something different, but really the sky's the limit. And I really think that that's, you know, really what makes it fun. So do either of you from last year's event, is there a costume you remember somebody wearing where you were both just like, that's really interesting. And Julie, I'll let you start to see if there's one that you recall from last year, but really you were like, wow, that's an interesting costume. And it really brought the fun. I don't know. 
there were so many. There were a lot of costumes. Um, we did have a group from Neiman Marcus. They came dressed as what's the show with the three sisters that are were witches? Oh, Charmed. Charmed. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And I mean, they were dressed to the nines. Like that was, it was, yeah. A lot of people were just walking by taking their picture. I remember that. Yeah. So that was actually a really good one. And then um, trying to think of another one, there was. Um, there were just so many. And even if it wasn't a costume, at least they had mask on. So they played a part. Yes. Um, but I think they try and do each other every I'll year. Do each other. Oh, yes. do each other. So it's, it's really interesting. Well, it allows for some friendly competition. And I love that you all brought up the show Charmed because, you know, you've also brought up masks. So people can really get into it, wear lots of makeup or wear a mask, or they can kind of wear something where they're kind of playing a character on a TV show that they liked, where if they just kind of are interested maybe in 90s fashion, because that show was from the 90s, is they can, you know, go into their closet, into their 90s archives and throw on something and go out. So Halloween is... You can be as creative as you want to be with it, but you can also be comfortable with what you're wearing because you're really resonating with whatever that costume is. It doesn't mean you have to dress in blood and gore like you're from The Walking Dead. You can be a television character. And I really love that all those aspects can come in because that really creates a welcoming environment that says, you know, you're here. We're glad you're here. And no matter what you're wearing, we're really thrilled that you're a part of this evening. So I'm going to say something really quick. My co-chair, Brian Teichman, who's going to be a great co-chair, uh, we're doing our costumes a play on each other. So it's going to be really interesting. So pique everybody's interest. There. I love that. Well, I love that. I love that you two as co-chairs picked, you know, you coordinated. And, you know, one of the things is I always look for when I go to something is I always when the co-chairs get along really well and you see that, it makes the event so much more fun because there is absolutely zero tension in the room. And I know you two have to be getting along well if you're coordinating what you're going to wear as It costumes. was just so natural. We didn't plan it. I said, well, I'm going to do this. Because, well, I'm going to do this. I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. Oh my God. So you two are like totally on the same wavelength. Yes. I, think that's, I, I think that's really cool. And, you know, while we're on the subject of co-chairs, would you care to elaborate on, you know, for someone who is co-chairing with somebody, what's a piece of rec advice you would recommend to them, you know, so that you make sure that it's cohesive, but both your visions are felt? Okay, so I would say teamwork. So Brian and I, as co-chairs, you know, we get along really well together. And also we have a great auction chair, Hershey Grace. So we all have one agenda, and that is to support, raise money for the animals, for the rescue and recovery of the animals. And then actually... I like, we all work really good together as a team and I call it the collective brain, the big brain, because you make so much more impact that way. And working with the staff, the leadership team here, as well as all the co-chairs, like I said, we have one agenda and that's to support the animals and make a difference in their life. That's amazing. And, you know, um, you know, let, let's let's segue, you know, into the next into the next thing I wanted to talk about. And that is, you know, where you all hold Halloween, because I think it's a really wonderful and inventive and interesting way to engage donors, whether they are, you know, 
people with loyal followings or new folks that come in. So you're going to be holding them on the grounds of the Houston SPCA. So Julie, I'd like to for you to you know talk a little bit about how this helps you and Houston SPCA better connect with donors, you know, so that they really understand what you all are doing from an organization perspective. Sure, I think we're really we're really fortunate that we have the facilities where we can hold a special event like our Halloween ball um, right here on our campus. Um, it's an opportunity for you know we transform our our rescue arena. I mean, from laying down the floor like it's it's totally unrecognizable really when you when you walk in, but it's so beautiful because you can see it's right behind our barn, and so there's going to be some some horses who have been re rehabilitated already who will be out there that's not, you know, spooked by the noise, by the music and things like that. And then we'll have staff who will um, also have some animals that are currently in our care. And then, you know, even when they roll up and, you know, at the valet, they'll be able to see our Caruth Education Center. They'll see the Adoption Center. And of course, you don't want to miss the after party because and Cheryl can go into that, but you know, um, being able to go into the adoption center after the celebration, there's so many touch points you can see when you do arrive on our campus that you're realizing, oh, you know, hopefully you feel really good about the donations that you're going to make because it's you're you're actually investing in the future of the organization, and we're going to be here. Clearly, we're going to be here tomorrow. You know, we've we've invested time into our community, and our community has given back. And that's such a huge responsibility that the organization takes very, very seriously. And we're very good stewards of our donations. And I think it it speaks volumes that they're able to spend time. It's almost like coming to our home, take a look around and, and see what our needs are. Um, you know, we, we do have a lot of things, but we're also very, you know, we have a lot of responsibilities around here. There's a lot of animals um, that are depending on us because of the numbers of programs and services that we have now. We have over a dozen. And so it's a huge responsibility we have. And we, we take that very seriously. Yeah, well, like, sorry, oh, I just want to inject one thing really quick. You, they see where the money goes. They actually see where the money goes and they see all the services that are provided because they have access throughout the whole time they're attending the gala. Um, they We're going to have the uh, lights going along the path to the barn to see the horses. Um, so it's just amazing. It's all transformed, like Julie said. It's amazing. Well, and I, I, you both actually brought up two really good points that I want to bring up. And, you know, the first is, is that I love how there are, you showcase multiple different aspects and elements of what the organization does. Because I, I think where sometimes people get tripped up, especially, you know, nonprofits is they think that a donor has to buy into every single aspect of it. But when you are a multifaceted organization and you've got multiple types of animals, you know, they always say there's cat people and there's dog people. So, you know, you you create the space and the, you know, the level of experiences that allows a donor to really connect with something that connects with them. And they're going to come back, they, they're going to come back initially for that specific thing. But as they fall more in love with the organization, they'll wind up doing more services. So I love that you provide a space and an experience that allows folks to really get initially drawn into the organization. Then you can just go after, you know, and talk about, and they can see the other aspects of what the organization does over time. I think that's you know, really amazing. And to Cheryl's point, this really, you know, you teed it up for, you know, what we're here about. 
And, you know, you talked about the, you know, the guided light pathway to the barn. So tell us what people can expect to experience once they go to that path and from the moment they hit that barn through the rest of the night. Okay, well, we're going to have a very, very special evening, like we said earlier, and it's going to be focused on Houston's passionate, pet-loving philanthropist. Okay, it's all for them, and what we're doing is we're going to have this um, great live and silent auction. There's a cocktail hour. There's dinner and dancing, plus they can actually go through the pathway and see the horses in the barns and see the different things of the services that everybody provides here. So it's going to be a great fun-filled evening um, for such a great worthy cause. That's fantastic. So is there... Is there, um, can you give a, I guess, a special sneak peek into, um, you know, like a little bit about like what the main program would be and what that might include? I think I'm going to say that for um, maybe a later date. Okay. Just a lot of like <laughs> sparkly, creepy, exciting things you don't necessarily expect. You know, I want to be a surprise. Well, I love that. Well, and it's Halloween. There has to be an element of surprise and maybe a tad bit of suspense and, you know, a lot of play and make believe that goes along with that. So, you know, I think that's really, you know, that's really fantastic. And Julie, you know, what are you looking forward to, you know, from an organization perspective at this year's Halloween? Well, it's it's just it's it's such a wonderful opportunity to be able to to be in an, in an atmosphere where people who are just as passionate as the organization who who love the work that we do and are hungry to see when they get. Yeah, they're there to have a good time and we're there to show them a good time. But at the same time, um, you know, we um, uh, have a responsibility to make sure that they're able to see you know, it's been a whole year. What have you guys been up to? Let's let's show you in this video. Let's let you take a look around. See what what good and, and new projects that we've been up to. What, you know, being good stewards of those donations. What have we been up to? We've been up to a lot. We're getting ready to tee up 100 years, our 100 year celebration. We're getting ready to open up a, a pet wellness clinic for the community owned pets. We've been busy. So I really look forward to um, donors coming in and getting an opportunity to, to learn more about those new things that we're teeing up. Um, and as Cheryl mentioned, there's obviously some other exciting new um, surprises as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited, you know, I'm excited for that. And, you know, I'm really glad you talked about what, you know, what the organization has been up to in the last year, because one thing I think at almost every nonprofit can say, you know, given what's going on in the last few years, the needs of what you all were doing in 2018 probably don't completely match with the needs for today because, you know, the last three years taught us lots of different things. So, you know, I oh, yeah. love that you're showcasing, you know, what's new with things like the pet wellness clinic. And I think that's, you know, that's a really wonderful hallmark of an organization that really has the foresight and the vision to, you know, have used the pandemic, not, I want to use the word opportunity, but really used it as a time to really kind of showcase and accent new needs that can be met. So I think that's amazing. And, you know, so um, Cheryl, my last question is for you. And that is, you know, what's a piece of advice? And I know you've done quite a few of these over the years, but what's a piece of advice you would give to someone who's looking to chair their first gala? Teamwork. Like I said earlier, nothing can do 
more for an organization than people working as a team. Like I said, the big brain, the collective brain, uh, that's how you can really be impactful. I just cannot stress that enough. Well, and, you know, teamwork also brings another element that's really essential to any nonprofit event, and that is heart. And I can just tell the, I can just hear the love coming from both of you today. And I'm just, I'm so excited that both of you were guests. So Cheryl, Julie, thank you. And congratulations on a hundred years. And I know it's going to be an amazing night. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much. Houston SPCA's Halloween Ball 2023 will be on October 27th, 2023 at Houston SPCA's Equine Rescue Arena in Houston, Texas. For more information, please visit HoustonSPCA.org. And that will do it for this episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care.